0: are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock with you on another victory Monday. This one, a big one. The 49ers beating the Green Bay Packers 37-20 and advancing to Super Bowl 54, where they will face the Kansas City Chiefs, who beat the Titans 35-24 Sunday, 49ers, Chiefs, two teams that once had a starting quarterback by the name of Joe Montana facing off in two weeks, February 2nd. In Miami, Florida, we've got plenty of time to get into that game. First, we've got to look back at this NFC Championship game win by the 49ers over the Green Bay Packers. Game notes, game balls to get into on today's show. A welcome to all of the new listeners out there. You can find this podcast at LockedOn49ers.com. You can subscribe on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD peacock. We will hit that Tuesday mailbag tomorrow, so find me there on Twitter at bdpeacock or email lockedon49ers at gmail. You knew it was going to be a great day right off the bat. A sensational anthem, acapella by boys to men. They absolutely killed it. I want to see an entire halftime show. The Super Bowl halftime show should be boys to men, no musical instruments, no BS, just those dudes acapella in the middle of the field, that would be kind of fun because all halftime shows are god-awful and terrible. It would be cool to see, break it down, minimize it, right? A little minimal halftime show. Just boys to men, and they would be joined by rock Capella. they do the Folgers song. Boom, get out of there. 49ers then go dominate the second half of the Super Bowl. But it was a great start to the day. It was a good omen, I think. It was just really feeling good at that point. And you know what was feeling good is the 49ers run game. Raheem Mostert went berserk, 220 yards, carrying it 29 times. We finally got to see Raheem Mostert carry the true load. Be the bell cow back, 29 carries for Raheem Mostert, and he answered the call. He answered to the tune of 7.6 yards per carry. Most of those carries, the Packers knew he was coming and they couldn't stop the 49ers ground game. 220 yards, four touchdowns, both of those numbers, second most all-time in a playoff game. We're talking about Eric Dickerson territory there. So pretty amazing day for Raheem Mostert, and I think everyone knows by now his career and bouncing around to multiple teams in 2015 and 2016 before sticking on the 49ers as a special teams guy. Then when Kyle Shanahan showed up, gave him an opportunity to carry the ball a little bit and now we're seeing the fruits of that and he is so explosive it is unbelievable how good he is and fast he is when he hits the hole. It truly does feel like he's going to break every single run, especially earlier in the game when they had to respect the 49ers' ability to throw the ball. It was just wide open. He was going untouched. He was getting maybe a fingertip here and there on his way to the end zone on a couple of runs. Unbelievable. Along of 36 and just crushing the Packers, just their souls were getting crushed. Just like that last week, I thought there was no way the 49ers were going to do that again to another playoff team. Just go up and dominate the line of scrimmage entirely and just crush a team's hopes from wire to wire. They did it last week with the Minnesota Vikings. They ended up running the ball 47 times, almost the entire second half of the game. This time, beating the Packers 37 to 20 running the ball 42 times, and there was a stretch between the late second quarter and the fourth quarter that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even attempt a pass. It was pretty amazing watching the 49ers thoroughly dominate a football team with pure physicality. Just, we're better than you. We're more mentally tough than you. We're going to go through you on the way to the end zone. You know what's coming. You can't stop it. Unbelievable. And on the other side of the ball, the defense Pretty much doing the same thing. Hall of Fame quarterback staring you in the face. You're saying, yeah, sorry, man. There's nowhere to go. And after three seconds, we're going to be on your ass and that's it. So pretty much game over because you can't stop us with the run and you can't get anything going until we start to play a little bit loose in the second half and let you dink and dunk underneath. And then we'll just rally to the ball and tackle you. We'll get more into the defense. Let's keep going on the offensive side of the ball, specifically that run game with Tevin Coleman. And it was a bummer to see Tevin Coleman after the game he had last week, get hurt and go down to the injury. We now get to see though, a full game. And we know what it looks like now where Raheem Mostert gets all the touches. Matt Breida came in just a couple of times to give him a a break. He carried the ball one time for two yards and everything else was Raheem Mostert. Now we see what that looks like. And it's Freaky. It's amazing how good Raheem Mostert is, and he never got a shot until now to be uh, even a rotational running back in the NFL. Tevin Coleman got the start that first series. He went five yards, four yards, and, look, the 49ers are going to run the ball well with Coleman or Mostert or whoever's going to be in there. Uh, But he got zero yards on his third carry, and Kenny Clark, Darius Smith, knife through, and they ended that 49ers opening drive with a three and out. Then Raheem Mostert entered on the second drive, and went untouched for a 36-yard touchdown, putting the 49ers up 7 to nothing. On that play, too, it was a nice little, the 49ers really mixed up their styles of run. It was all wide zone a lot of the time. Seen a lot more traps, and that's what this was, and some some different schemes. And Kyle Shanahan really changing it up, and the 49ers defense changing it up. I really like what the 49ers are doing as a coaching staff, finding out what works, and not just doing one thing because, hey, this is what we do, so we're only going to do this. I love that. Zedarius Smith was lined up on this particular play, the 36-yard touchdown run by Raheem Mostert in the first quarter. Lined up inside as a pass rusher. This is a 3rd-and-8 play, by the way, that Kyle Shanahan called this play. And he just got immediately washed out by Tomlinson, and it was wide open after Mostert got through that first level and against that nickel defense, and then he was just off to the races and beat everybody to the end zone because he's so fast. And that's when Tevin Coleman got hurt, left the game. I've seen shoulder injury. I've seen elbow injury. I don't know exactly what the injury is for Tevin Coleman. The way they're holding his arm, I think shoulder makes more sense. And he was carted off, unfortunately, in the second quarter. It's a huge bummer. And. Maybe that means Matt Breida will get a little bit more shot in the Super Bowl if Tevin Coleman won't be able to go. It's a couple weeks, so people have time to get healthy. We'll find out more about that Coleman injury, and maybe we've already heard more about it after the game, and I missed that report, but Tevin Coleman did not look good for him, which probably means Raheem Mostert's going to get the bulk of the carries in the Super Bowl, and I can't wait to see that against the Kansas City Chiefs. In December, I said Raheem Mostert might be the most explosive running back in the league. And that's including some freaky running backs. Like There are a number of insanely athletic running back just talents in the league. These guys all can run. They're all crazy explosive. And he's up there with all of those guys. We're talking about guys that get drafted in the top five. It's insane the 49ers found this guy on the heap and then didn't even know he was going to be a big factor at running back at first and just being a special teams guy, which he's also amazing at as a special teams gunner. But when he goes and he sees it and he sees that hole, he hits it so fast and explodes with his gear. It's almost like something I've never seen. I loved the Debo Samuel lead block on Mostert's second touchdown run that put the 49ers up 17-0. Six straight run plays on that drive ended in a really cool call with Debo Samuel coming on motion and then end up being Raheem Mostert's lead blocker and paving the way for him to get in the end zone for the second time. Uh, Mostert's third touchdown run of the game, 18 yards, put the 49ers up 27-0 at halftime. And then Mostert passed Colin Kaepernick's franchise record that he set in 2012 against the very same Packers for the most rushing yards in a postseason game in 49ers history and came up just shy of number one all-time. Eric Dickerson had 248 rushing yards in a playoff game. Raheem Mostert finished with 220 yards and four touchdowns and he would have probably broken it if the 49ers if the game was a little closer and the Niners were in a situation where they could have thrown it a little more and had some different looks for the Packers but they just were selling out against the run they knew it was coming every single time so he was met in the backfield a few times still averaged 7.6 yards per carry an amazing day on the ground for the 49ers offense and Raheem Mostert More game notes from the 49ers' destruction of the Packers in the NFC Championship game. A few more notes on the offense, a lot on the defense, and then we'll give out game balls coming up. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew because you can chew it. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. That makes a lot more sense to me. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow-through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E com promo code locked on. To try it free, Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League Spring Training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. And I can attest to it going to spring training is awesome for. Any baseball fan, it's just a fun vacation, fun place to get away, great food. You'll rub elbows with baseball people and broadcasters, and it's just a really cool time. 10 stadiums, 15 Major League Baseball teams, 75 degree temperatures, all 10 stadiums in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Meet the players, get autographs before games, check out the upcoming prospects, one of my favorite things to do, go prospecting, find out who the next Major League stars are going to be. Amazing restaurants, tons of bars, craft breweries, of course, tons of outdoor adventures and hiking, biking. And you can even check off some must-see destinations from your bucket list, like the Grand Canyon. Bringing the kids along to spring training, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. Family-friendly resorts and hotels offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages horseback rides to games, activities, wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. I mentioned Debo Samuel's lead block for Raheem Mostert earlier, and you want to talk about an OW, Debo Samuel. I mean, Kyle Ushak's the original OW offensive weapon as given that name by John Lynch after they signed him, and Debo Samuel is starting to be that, too. They're handing the ball off to him. He's catching the ball, run after the catch, and now lead blocker. Add that to his repertoire. Little screen pass. It looked like Debo Samuel was going to have a really big day, by the way. Debo had this long gain where he trucks the Packers defender, nearly breaks it. I think it was Darnell Savage that he ran over. Uh, Savage, by the way, came back and made a nice stop for a loss on Mostert screen pass on the very next play. Savage is going to be a really good player. Uh, So is Debo, obviously. Uh, But, you know, some growing pains. Those guys, both rookies and Darnell Savage, I think is a little bit more difficult. in when the pressure that's put on a a safety these days in the NFL. But uh, Darnell Savage is going to be really good. He's super dynamic safety. Uh, but Debo Samuel was looking like he's going to have this huge day. Then the 49ers were like, hey, you know what? We don't have to throw the ball anymore. So they just stopped throwing it to him. So he only ended up with those two catches for, no, yeah, two, two catches and two rushes. And he almost had 100 yards on those two combined. He had two rushes for 43 yards. He had a 32-yarder and an 11-yarder. And then two receptions for 46 yards, a 30-yarder, and a 16-yarder on three targets. So Debo Samuel averaging 23 yards through the air, 21 and a half on the ground on his four touches. And that's why you, man, if the 49ers needed to throw the ball, they could have really gone off on the Packers offensively. They scored 37 points, running the ball nearly every single time, with the Packers knowing they were going to run it every single time. Imagine if they were able to put the full offense out there and More misdirection, more fun stuff that Kyle Shanahan was going to plug in there, and they could have had 50 easily. And speaking of that, Jimmy Garoppolo, he threw the ball eight times. Jimmy Garoppolo dropped back eight times, and the 49ers won the NFC Championship game. 77 yards on his six completions, averaged 9.6 yards on those completions, sacked once, quarterback rating of 104.7. Was not needed for a second straight week to do pretty much anything. And that's a good recipe for the 49ers. Not because you don't want to need Jimmy Garoppolo. It's because if you can run the ball and be that dominant, you don't have to do anything else. It's amazing. So people are going to detract from Jimmy Garoppolo in these two weeks and overanalyze heading into the Kansas City Chiefs game. And yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Patrick Mahomes. But. With the way this offense was going early in the game, they could have thrown up crazy numbers in the passing game, too. I have no doubt about that. And Jimmy Garoppolo is efficient when he needs to be. He's good on third downs, good in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Garoppolo is a really good quarterback. They just didn't need a really good quarterback to win this football game. One thing in my notes here that I didn't like about Jimmy Garoppolo it turned out to not be important at all in the context of the entire game. But he took a third down sack to end the first quarter. It was a bad play there, not getting rid of the football. It pushed the 49ers field goal out to about 54 yards for Robbie Gold, which ended up being a franchise record long field goal. And it's not a distance that the 49ers have had or even allowed Robbie Gold to kick from really this year. But Gold nailed it and that put the 49ers up 10-0, and it was pretty much the exact game script from there that we saw against the Packers in Week 12, and that's the thing I was preaching all week long. was like, look, the 49ers aren't going to just go up 10-0 early on the Packers again and dominate uh, the line of scrimmage like they did last time. It's going to be a more difficult game, and it wasn't. It was pretty much the same deal as it was last week against the Vikings. Same deal it was in Week 12 dominating the the Packers. Packers got a little bit back, uh, throwing the ball late in the game in the second half, but thorough domination by the 49ers. I mentioned how Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw the ball for uh, almost two quarters of the game. Two minutes, and I think it was two minutes and ten seconds left in the first half was the last time he threw the ball until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it was the first pass of the entire game in George Kittle's direction. Just crazy. Kittle got a couple of Ball's there at the end of the game as the 49ers realized. all right, well, we better just keep the, you know, let's let's throw the ball a little bit. Let's keep the ball. Let's hold on to it. Let's move the sticks a little bit because the Packers are putting up a couple of points now and we don't want to let them get close to even uh, being in this game at all. So they started throwing the, a little bit more in the fourth quarter, but really just did not need Jimmy Garoppolo at all. And it was a pretty amazing pretty amazing game when the 49ers are up so big and dominating and guys like George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders hadn't caught a single pass. You know who needed to throw the ball a lot? The Packers and their quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Chico, California's own, the University of Cal Berkeley's own Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 39 times by the end of it, completed 31 of those passes, 326 yards his overall stat line doesn't look as bad and doesn't really tell the story about how bad the the pass game really was for the Packers. And I was actually surprised to see at the end of the game that he was up over three hundred yards passing. But he was airing it out there at the end of the game. Did make a few big plays. There was the one long completion to Devontae Adams. But three fumbles. One of them was not his fault. It was uh, the center didn't even get the ball to his hands. Two interceptions though. So a lot more turnovers in this game than Rodgers usually. Does I mean Robbie Rogers just doesn't turn the ball over? Even last time, only 105 passing yards. He was sacked five times, but still didn't throw an interception. Through two interceptions in this game, one to Mosley, one to Richard Sherman that sealed it and put the 49ers in victory formation. And here's what's odd because you look at 31 of 39, 326 yards, a couple of touchdowns, a couple of picks, and his. Overall quarterback rating is ninety seven point two, and and quarterback rating really skews toward completing passes, and and being uh, a high having a high completion percentage, but his QBR, which is an ESPN stat and it incorporates some other things, it was only twenty two point three, so those are really different in how you rate Aaron Rodgers, and I think if you look when when those. PFF grades come out. Now, I just think Rodgers will have a really low grade. And it's not all on Aaron Rodgers. His guys weren't open a lot of the day. And he was under duress and getting pressured a ton. Got sacked three times by that 49ers defensive line. One by Bosa early. Another by Eric Armstead. And then K1 Williams getting in there with a sack of his own. And, and there was a lot of other times that he was under pressure. And, and sometimes he did pretty good just to get out of the pocket and throw a pass somewhere. Even if it was incomplete. Two touchdowns, though, and two interceptions for Aaron Rodgers. They were able to put up some points. All 20 of those points in the second half of the game went heavy in the screen game. And that's what the the Vikings went to the screen game a lot against the 49ers last week. And really the only thing that worked was dumping it off to Aaron Jones and letting their athletes run with the ball. Aaron Jones had an okay day. 12 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. They couldn't really run the ball much because they were behind all day long. And he also caught five passes for 27 yards and had a touchdown reception. Devontae Adams, he had one catch at the beginning of the game. I think it was the first drive, first or second drive, Devontae Adams had a catch. And it was like a wide receiver screen or or, or a little hitch. It was like something that was caught right at the line of scrimmage. And he didn't have another one until the second half of the game. In fact, that was one of the, the matchups I was really eager to see was Devontae Adams, and I thought he would really be on Emmanuel Mosley a lot, and, a, and Richard Sherman a little bit. And that was pretty much the case, but Mosley did such a good job. I mean, Emmanuel Mosley has been amazing at cornerback, feeling hard against the run, too. The guy is fearless, and he hits like a safety, covers like a cornerback. The entire 49ers defensive backs group is really good tackling. K1 Williams, Sherman's a good tackler, and of course, both safeties Are good tacklers. Speaking of tackling, I love the Jimmy Ward flipping Alan Lazard, who outweighs him by about forty pounds, head over heels. Of course, the Mosley interception at the end of the first half was a nice play. And then second half, Rodgers just started force feeding Adams, and he only had the one first half target. And then uh, they, they really went to Adams and they probably should have gone to Adams and Jones a lot more. Just force feed those guys. Those are your playmakers on offense. They weren't going to score if they weren't heavily u- utilizing those guys. And uh, a nice little stat line in the end by Devontae Adams for what those guys were able to do in the second half. And obviously I think the 49ers weren't playing as attacking in the second half because they were protecting a lead. And they were being smart. Keep your guys back. Let them throw underneath. Go Rally and go tackle him. It's a smart way to play. Two interesting plays before we get to those game balls. Late in the fourth quarter. And one was Devontae Adams. He got Sherm. He, he got Sherm good on one. Richard Sherman was turned around. 65-yard pass from Rodgers to Devontae Adams on a go route. It looked like Sherman expected an outside release. And it, it was odd that the release beat him that bad. Because it made Sherm silly. And he actually ended up doing a pirouette when Adams released to the inside, turned him around completely, went for 65 yards, and, and Sherman obviously is not a speed demon, so when he's not on top of you, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult for him to play catch-up, but Sherman got the last laugh and he came back and he made a big play and picked off Aaron Rodgers on a pass intended for Adams deep down the middle of the field, showed a little burst, though, to go get that football, and the Niners would immediately, following that interception, go into the victory formation and the 49ers capping off the 37 37- 20 win with Richard Sherman. He gave up the one big play, but he got the last laugh making a big play. Let's give out some game balls next. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On 49ers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate 49ers fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. If your company wants to connect with 49ers fans and an audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising Success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a tough one. How do you give game balls to a team that thoroughly dominated in almost every position? I think there's one obvious name that has to get a game ball and I'm going to treat this one much like I treated it last week. Raheem Mostert, obviously. When you rush for 220 yards and four touchdowns, you're going to get a game ball. You're going to get the first game ball. But you also don't rush for 220 yards and four touchdowns if you don't have some help. And the 49ers for the second straight week thoroughly dominated the line of scrimmage, dominated up front. So along with Raheem Mostert getting a game ball, you got to give a game ball to Joe Staley and Laken Tomlinson and Ben Garland and Mike Person and Mike McGlinchey and George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, who are also so good in the run game, not just the offensive linemen who are phenomenal. Run game coordinator Mike McDaniel, offensive line coach John Benton. You've got to give a game ball, I think, to everybody involved in the run game when it's going so well, but... Raheem Mostert was just, he's I'm so glad we finally got we we got to know if, if and I hate that Tevin Coleman got hurt, but if he didn't get hurt, we wouldn't have known, I don't think, and I think Shanahan might have gone to the hot hand, but he would have only let him carry the ball, you know, 12, 15 times instead of 29 times. And like last week. And and Tevin Coleman's a good player to to close out a game. Ball security, you know, he's a thumper. He runs hard. He gets downhill in a hurry. I think that's a good type of player to wear teams out when the, when you have a lead and in hand a guy like that the football. So there's no way Raheem Mostert would have got the ball 29 times if Tevin Coleman didn't get hurt. And I think he's still a little bit scared to give the ball to Matt Breida and fumble the ball back to a team when he's got a lead. So it was really cool. Uncool to see the injury to Coleman, but it was cool to see Maho- Mostert finally get all those carries and lead the team, and it was phenomenal. And this guy's... he's got to get the ball 20 times in the Super Bowl. He has to be your number one bell cow rusher, and no matter who's healthy, who's not healthy behind him, the backup running backs shouldn't see the field. They shouldn't touch the ball unless Raheem Mostert needs a rest. Maybe on a third down and long, and you think Coleman's a better pass protector or maybe is a better receiver. That would make sense. Or a goal line situation, there might be some situations where you don't have Mostert in there, but for the most part, if Raheem Mostert's not your running back and he's not tired, then I think the 49ers are screwing something up and doing something wrong. And I fully expect that to be the case. I think they understand this. I think they know this. And we'll see Raheem Mostert all day long in two weeks in Miami. But, man, the, the blocking was so good for him, too. He went untouched multiple times. It was crazy. You know who's actually even more important, maybe, than all those players for the run game? It's Kyle Shanahan. When's the last time I gave Shanahan a game ball? I think I did give him a game ball earlier in the year. You're the head coach of a football team that just won the NFC championship game, has just won both of your playoff games in dominating fashion. You're going to the Super Bowl. You get a game ball. So a game ball for Kyle Shanahan. We're giving out a ton of game balls here. I mean, I don't care. We're going to the Super Bowl. This is a special occasion. But the scheme, Kyle Shanahan, everything he dialed up just seemed to be working. And the the team was in tune. So whatever they're doing on the practice field, getting these guys ready to play, everybody's on the same page. This team is playing so much better offensively than they did at the beginning of the season. You're seeing all of that work pay off. It's a well-oiled machine on both sides of the football right now. So Shanahan definitely gets a game ball. And if we're going to give all these guys on offense a game ball, we've got to give somebody on the defensive side of the ball a game ball. And all 11 starters... Some backups played so well. It's just it's Robert Sala. Robert Sala. You get a game ball that represents pretty much everybody on defense. But the defensive line went off. Bosa his normal self. Buckner everywhere, picking up the fumbles. Uh, Eric Armstead getting a sack. It. I mean the linebackers flying around. The defense. The defensive backs locking people down. Just amazing how good that defense played. And again, scheme wise sound everybody on the same page a well-oiled machine on both sides of the ball that points to good coaching so robert sala you absolutely get a game ball here that represents all of the players on the defensive side of the ball and if you're giving one to kyle shanahan you're giving one to robert sala heck 49ers going to a super bowl let's give a game ball to the gm the guy that was just voted by the pro football writers as executive of the year john lynch who helped bring all these players in that are playing at such a high level. John Lynch, you get a game ball, too. And you might say, hey, Brian, you're giving a ball to Kyle Shanahan. You're giving a game ball to John Lynch. What about the guy that brought those guys in that hired those two players? How high are we going to go here in the front office giving out game balls? I'll say to that, we're going to wait. We're going to wait on that specific game ball for hopefully another day. Your San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 54 in Miami, Florida. Super Bowl L-I-V. I joked during the game on Twitter. I don't think it should be. First of all, I hate the Roman numerals because I, I always screw them up. But I don't think it should be Super Bowl L-I-V. I think it should be Super Bowl R-M for the Roman numerals. Super Bowl Raheem Mostert. That's how amazing Mostert was running the ball on Sunday. Niners going to the Super Bowl. They will be facing the Kansas City Chiefs. And, man, Patrick Mahomes is a completely different beast. We've seen Russell Wilson. We've seen Aaron Rodgers twice, Hall of Fame quarterback. We've seen Lamar Jackson. The way Patrick Mahomes can sling the football is. And seeing that team play, it's scary. But then, I mean, and that was the early game. So you're sitting back as a 49ers fan watching this Chiefs versus Titans game. Titans jump out to an early lead just like the Texans did on the Chiefs last week. And then you see Patrick Mahomes just come screaming back. He's got all this speed on the outside with his receivers making these ridiculous throws. And it's a scary thing to watch that. And then Chiefs fans feeling really good about themselves. They're going to the Super Bowl They're like, that was awesome. Now let's sit down, enjoy it. Crack a beer and watch this 49ers-Packers game. And then Chiefs fans are probably thinking, oh my gosh, that is scary. Look how complete and how good this 49ers team is. They can just run the ball 40-something times against teams and go straight through your soul and go win a football game. That's got to be scary. So that's what makes this Super Bowl so fun, I think. These two teams have put on the most dominating the scariest performances. These are the two teams you don't want to play. If you're anybody else in these playoffs, they've made it to the Super Bowl for a reason. And so we're going to see how that looks. We're going to see that solid defense going up against Patrick Mahomes. The Niners haven't seen Patrick Mahomes since, well, I guess they did see him in the preseason, but they haven't seen him for real, for real, and since uh, 2018 when Jimmy Garoppolo went down with his torn ACL injury. Niners got to see the beginning of that rise for Patrick Mahomes as the Chiefs quarterback, and he is an amazing talent, but Patrick Mahomes has not seen this version of the 49ers defense either. And looking at the early spread, it's already out. Kansas City Chiefs right now favored by one point in Super Bowl 54. Hmm. I wonder what you guys might think about that. Hit me up on Twitter at BDPeacock. Email locked on 49 ers at Gmail. We'll get into any questions you guys want to hit, any topics, let me know. We'll hit those on Tuesday's podcast. We'll have a weekly wink week this week. Tons of content coming. It's my birthday this weekend, so I'm actually not going to have a Monday episode, but that works out great because the 49ers have a bye week, so there's no game to break down next Monday. So we will have one less show in this two-week lead-up to the Super Bowl, but we'll break down every angle of the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll look back more at how the 49ers got here All week long, Locked On 49ers.